Welcome to the Global Careers Podcast, sponsored by GW Cyber, the source for inspiring stories from seasoned professionals who have embraced a global role and reaped the benefits. We offer practical advice and insider tips across a broad swath of industries and fields around the world about what it's like to work globally. If you love adventure and thrive on taking risks and operating outside your comfort zone, join us as we explore the ins and outs of pursuing an international career. My name is Stacey nevadomsky Burdan, and I'll be your host. Our first season dives into what it's like working globally through the pandemic and the outlook for global careers in a post-COVID-19 world. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Michael McKenna, Head of Procurement for Genesis Care. Michael has a career of more than 25 years spanning academia, international development, pharmaceuticals, and banking on a global scale. He spent the better part of five years living and working in Bangladesh and India, and working with and managing teams for two decades throughout Europe and Asia. We're excited to have him with us to talk about global careers, and in particular, procurement, as well as starting a new role with a global company mid-pandemic. Welcome, Michael. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, Stacy. Good to catch up. Yeah. So tell me, let's just dive right into it. What are you working on these days? What are you up to? Well, uh, I joined a, uh, a new company uh, back in November of last year. I joined Genesis Care as its head of procurement in the U.S. And uh, a little background on Genesis Care. It's a global community-based integrated cancer care network that treats more than half a million patients worldwide uh, annually. And as the head of procurement, I lead our efforts to manage the quality and quantity of our expenditures on goods and services to ensure that our patients receive the highest quality medical care at a reasonable cost. And um, as a global healthcare delivery organization, Genesis Care purchases or leases everything from specialty pharmaceuticals and medical supplies to linear accelerators to software, professional services, and real estate. So it's a full basket of uh, commodities, goods, and services. Well, that's wonderful, especially being in healthcare right now. I imagine there must be a lot of challenges, and um, starting a new job mid-pandemic is both exciting and a bit intimidating. Um, and as you as you mentioned, it's based in Australia, and one that's not as as old, right, and as established as some of the other one hundred year plus old companies that were that you had worked with in the past. But is it more nimble? Um, is it and and what's it like working for a a smaller company actually based halfway around the world these days? Yeah, so uh, very, very much different uh, than working for companies with, uh, you know, 150-year pedigrees. Uh, Genesis Care is about uh, 15 years old and uh, just uh, landed in the U.S. Uh, middle of 2020. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's chaotic. Uh, there's kind of, you know, a digestion, integration of a uh, an acquisition at play, and uh, simultaneously we're trying to grow the business. So, uh, rapid uh growth ambitions. And at the same time, it's a, uh, a regulated uh, enterprise, just like all the ones I've worked in before. So, um, you know, plenty to uh, come up to speed on and make sure that we don't uh, don't mess things up. And, you know, as for the process, um, you know, joining a company in the pandemic, uh, the entire process was virtual. And uh, six months in, I had still um, yet to meet any of my colleagues face-to-face. And Honestly, I've been working across time zones in global companies for my entire career. And I, I would say that probably the last five to seven years, most of my working days and, and nights, for that matter, have been spent predominantly in virtual IT-mediated collaboration, exactly what we're doing right now. Right? So in the end, it, it wasn't so different day-to-day. 
with the exception of uh, you know reduced commuting and dry cleaning costs in the uh, in the onboarding period. Uh, so that that was a good thing. But uh, you know, with all seriousness, I, I don't mean to suggest that I'm a hundred percent virtual convert or cyber evangelist. Uh, there are certainly some misses in the form of chance encounters and the interpersonal cues and organizational dynamics that can only be picked up live. Um, you know, and and also as someone new to the point of care side of the healthcare business, uh, there's no substitute for me uh, getting to our clinical sites, which I'm happy to report will begin in exactly two weeks uh, when I'll be fully vaccinated. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, that sounds great. Well, that's really interesting. I mean, besides though the virtual, which um, so we've we've all become pretty accustomed to in the last year plus. What else has changed? I mean, you've you've switched jobs mid-pandemic when there was obviously a lot of changes with the virtual workspace. But have you noticed anything else with respect to um, the switch in the last year, eighteen months? Well, as a, as a procurement professional, uh, the things that have been uh, most striking have been the, the market and supply chain disruptions. Um, you know, these have had a material financial and operational impact across our business and, and all businesses. Uh, there have been shortages in the supply markets that have had uh, direct impacts, uh, but certainly within healthcare, uh, for obvious reasons, those have been felt, um, you know, especially acutely. Uh, so, for example, we've faced we faced challenges with medical supplies, uh, masks and disinfectants, uh, but also rubber gloves, owing to shortages upstream in the nitrile rubber supply, where the market uh, globally is effectively controlled by four players. So, you know, that that's been a challenge to work through, and um, it hasn't only been medical supplies, however. Uh, we've seen shortages in wood pulp supply, which affects a range of paper products, and we're consumers of those. And uh, there's a global semiconductor chip shortage that affects an array of technology goods from high-end retail markets um, uh, down to, uh, you know, the, sort of the consumer. And uh, for us, uh, has increased lead times to supply our recent hires with laptops. So from a strategic procurement and business continuity standpoint, the, you know, the pandemic has provided uh, only the latest case study on the uh, importance of supply chain diversification and risk management. Wow. Well, that's really very interesting because in the beginning, of course, we saw different things. And I imagine as the months went on, I mean, we saw an evolution of these various things. I mean, I've read about the the chips and as it's related to almost everything, right, from cars to dishwashers to, to laptops for new employees. So that's a... Uh, that still shows that the global supply chain is a bit is a bit fragile, is a bit fractured. We haven't quite gotten it right yet. Do you think things are improving in that space? Uh, I, I mean, I, I think look, it's it's a it's a constant balancing act, um, and I don't know that you ever get, ever get it right. And I think there's a danger of you know as they use in the military the uh, you know where are we fighting the last war. And I think each new supply chain shock causes us to kind of evaluate, oh, what are the ways in which we missed? And let's now kind of shore up our practices, our guardrails, our controls, and um, you know, diversification strategies so that we don't get hit by the same shock again. Uh, but as, as we know, you know, history doesn't repeat itself, it rhymes. And so the next shock will be similar, but but entirely unique, right? And so um, I think, you know, with each new challenge, uh, we kind of put sort of a learning into our, our memory banks and then kind of figure out, okay, well, how do we, how do we, you know, anticipate or prepare for those things that are around the corner, which, you know, we have an idea of what they might be, but 
you know, it could be, it could be anything. We don't know. You don't know what, I mean, I think the biggest concern possibly going forward is, uh, you know, just from an overall uh, cybersecurity perspective. So companies across the board are investing heavily in uh, cybersecurity and ensuring that uh, networks are uh, safe and resilient to attack, uh, which is something that is ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I see, I see that um, jobs in cybersecurity are are some of the number one. I mean, they're, they're all across the board around the world for all kinds of corporations, organizations, uh, nonprofits, foundations, everybody, everybody's interested in that. That's something that's interesting that um, we should have been able to predict, but now there is just a, an overwhelming need for that. But let's take a step back and go to, yeah, and go to, um, you know, you've worked around the world with your stints in Bangladesh and India, overseeing teams in Europe. That's a lot to cover and, um, and a book probably in there, but um, step back a moment and just describe to me, what was the impact that your global experiences have had on you, both professionally and personally? Yeah, it's a great question. And for me, the the professional and personal impacts are basically the same. They're identical. Um, you, you know, we, we recognize that, that other beings exist very early in our childhood development, uh, but we spend a lifetime understanding what that means because every one of us lives every moment of, of our lives uh, inescapably at the center of our own universe, right? And as thinking machines who have to make hundreds or thousands of decisions daily, you know, we manage our cognitive load by recognizing patterns and using rules to simplify our decision-making. And um, clearly, we'd, we'd become overwhelmed if we didn't consciously or unconsciously develop and use those rules. And the, the problem is that sometimes these simplification strategies cause us to suppress or misread relevant information, which leads to suboptimal or, or worse decisions that are taken. And so for, for me, living and working abroad and, you know, across geographies and culture, it, it's almost like a form of um, cross-training for the mind, right? So exposure to new perspectives, alternative values, different languages, uh, they're all forms of exercise that strengthen our decision-making muscles and pull us, however briefly, out from our own self-centered points of view. So, um, you know, for me, it's it's really about kind of expanding um, you know, the ways in which we um, approach and understand the world and knowing, uh, being reminded that we don't have all the answers and that, you know, at any any initial approach to a problem, we're, we're coming at it from just our own view. And so to the extent you can sort of broaden and enrich that view, uh, you're going to be better served, both professionally and personally, I have found. Yeah, that's interesting. And and specifically, you're relating to people, right? So, and you, I know you're clearly interested in people and the openness and, and embracing different um, approaches. Um, and those are some of the traits that have been identified as being as needed, right, for working cross culturally. Um, so, what are some of these? Some of the other things. So, so, so being open, um, you know, independently, um, kind of thinking about it, and and um, you know, seeing how it applies to you and broadening your own um, uh, worldview. But but what other skills and traits? So, for our listeners, you know, what are some of the other things specifically that they can do or they need in order to work globally? Uh, students, young professionals, you, you've got to start with a kind of a field of inquiry. Sort of, you you get you get schooled in something, you're interested in something, and you're going to you know, embark upon a career that is rooted in some some domain, right? So you need to you need to have a solid grounding or technical expertise, whether that's accounting or science or you know whatever may be relevant to the industry. Uh, so you know, deep inside of pharma, cybersecurity, as an example, you name it, right? You need that. 
that um, fundamental grounding. Uh, but as important, uh, perhaps more important in my my experience, has been that the technical expertise needs to be supported with the broader skills that make it possible for you to uh, be agile uh, inside an organization and across different organizations. It's unlikely that many of us uh, will any longer joining the workforce spend our entire career with a single organization. Um, we'll move across organizations and, you know, you've read the literature, you've perhaps written some of the literature that says that, uh, you know, we won't have one, but several careers. So your career is a portfolio and you need to diversify that portfolio. So, you know, you can be the most brilliant technical expert, but if you can't get your point across and communicate to stakeholders, uh, you're going to be far less effective, right? Uh, there are always exceptions. Uh, I've, I've had the experience you know, the experience of having to um, to source some of this this expertise, right? These singular experts, right? Where you're going to pay them what it is they want, right? But there are only very few singular experts in esoteric and, uh, you know, coincidentally market-relevant disciplines that will ever be lucky enough to command their price, no matter what their interpersonal skills are. So, you know, I, I'd say find an area that you like, go deep in it, and then supplement that with the skills that are required to get on in the world you know, diplomatically and, um, and interpersonably uh, as, as you can, right? So that's negotiation. Uh, that's um, just sort of empathy, uh, practicing uh, listening skills, and um, just understanding how to, um, I think importantly, you know, agree uh, or disagree, I should say, in a way that is um, simultaneously agreeable, right? So uh, there's no linear path through any business problem. And, um, you know, there are as we've talked about before, many different perspectives that need to be considered. And so knowing how to fight fairly and honestly and openly uh, without making it overly personal is um, is a really important skill in navigating uh, large, complex organizations. Oh, I love that. You know, that. so you've said a lot of wonderful things. That last point I really want to, I, I want to just highlight. So being able to agree, dis, uh, being able to disagree agreeably. Um, so knowing how to actually, I guess some people might say, pick your battles, learn how to negotiate. Um, you don't always have to be um, be right, but you need to be able to stand up for yourself. So that's one. That's a really um, refined sense of communication skill as well, and diplomacy in a way. Kind of they're, they're, they're combined because... Being disagreeable um, has a has a has a range, right? <laughs> it's not it's not always um, it's not always um, um, accepted, and so disagreeing is very different from the disagreeable. So I think that's really great advice. And you know, I don't know that anyone's ever been bold enough to share that. And I think it's really important and honest um, for you know young people, young professionals to realize that it's not all fabulous. You can step up and 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 use these types of skills uh, to communicate your perspective. And it's really important to do so as well. So um, absolutely. Yeah. And just to just to follow up on that, I mean, um, you know, without without being um you know, overly Darwinian, but you know, life is a life is a struggle. Uh, conflict is unavoidable, and I think um, you know, to the extent that we learn how to fight fairly, that we don't shy away from conflict, but rather find productive ways to uh, approach that conflict, to live in that conflict, and to assert our perspectives and be heard, and recognize that our perspectives are not only you know not not the only ones, and not always going to be ultimately supported, and to come away. Kind of resilient to those losses, um, where you know we, our perspective is not the one that's adopted, right? That's that is a, a valuable, uh, a valuable skill to have uh, for survival in uh, in business and and in life. 
Most certainly. I mean, certainly there's a lot of conflict now um, in our country and around the world like that, um, that I think we would all be um, better. I mean, we would all get along a lot better if actually we appreciated and respected the fact that um, ours is not always going to be the way adopted, and that's okay. Uh, We need to learn to adapt and live with it. Um, But I think also um, just figuring out um, how to deal with that um, on a global scale. That's part of living and working and traveling internationally is there's so much difference out there. And invariably, um, we are the ones when we're outside um, our country or our our, uh, comfort zones, we're the ones who actually are the sole different. Everybody else oftentimes is much more similar or, or alike or similar backgrounds or language or cultures or what have you. So it's really important to apply that. Um, as well, I think, beyond um, beyond the U.S.-based um, job market. So what, Absolutely. Yeah. So, so tell me, is there something, this is kind of a corny little question, but is there something you wish you could tell your younger self, besides that, that last piece of great advice, um, what else would you tell your, your younger self and therefore the rest of the listeners? Well, I yeah, and I, th- I don't think they're unrelated, right? I think they're, in fact, deeply related. Uh, and I think, you know, the, the one thing that I've, I've learned most, and it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's something that it's, we, we, can, we can say it now, and younger listeners will hear it and kind of, you know, it'll, it'll resonate, right? It makes sense fundamentally. But I think, um, you know, just the, the act of living and living in the world, being in the world, um, such that we we have to come to grips with who we are, right? And we have to chart a course. And um, I think, you know, coming into the workforce as a younger person, um, you know, one of the things that that you, you know, you struggle with is, is you know, who you are, uh, who you're expected to be, and how do you get along with people as you navigate along that journey, right? Recognizing that you have wants and objectives and desires, and they don't necessarily align to other people's objectives, nor possibly to the broader organization's objectives. So I think, you know, given that, um, it's detrimental to be overly obsessed with being well-liked by everyone, right? And this is, you know, because part of your success is, it's a a tricky balance again, because part of your success is linked to being well-liked enough, but there's a difference between being liked as in respected and liked as in, well, yeah, I want to spend time with that individual and, and hang out, right? They're, two, they're kind of two different things. So it's impossible to be liked by everybody. And obsessing about what people think of you can be a real hindrance to making forward progress, to sort of being true to your own your own objectives, right? And it's kind of tied to your sense of self. So my advice is have confidence in who you are, your own internal makeup, your own interests, the things that get you excited and motivated, and know that you know, the career that you're going to design for yourself will be your career and your career alone. And so while it's good to have role models and mentors and blueprints for career success, folks who you listen to and rely on for advice and counsel, um, you know, the career that we, that we have is done in each of our own unique ways. So we're each the architect of our own journeys. So embrace that journey, have fun in the process. And, you know, the other, the other piece I would say is don't dwell on the endpoint or fixate on uh, sort of the trappings of the, you know, organizational hierarchy, things like title or salary, you know, to the exclusion of um, what's happening in the process, right? And sort of enjoy that, that learning and that journey and the contributions that you're going to make that will be uniquely yours on that journey. 
Well, that's wonderful advice. You know, and it's so true. You know, you look back. I mean, I look back now, and if anyone would have told me 25 years ago that this is what I would be doing right now, I would have laughed. I mean, um, fear of public speaking, don't really like to write that much, and <laughs> here I am. And and yeah, you chart your own course, you fo- follow your own dreams, which is true to some extent. But I really like what you said, just having confidence in who you are and what you're all about, because there is only only one you, one each of us, and um, our own our own uh, career path. So that's that's terrific, terrific advice. Um, both um, and, and actually, yeah. Stacy, if I could just add on to that, right? So it is also, I think, an important piece of advice to be open to the um, the productive possibility of chance, right? So the accidents that happen in our life, uh, our lives that will happen inevitably that we can't control but that are sometimes wonderful and that, you know, we, we go, you know, not every, not everyone, right. So, you know, it's a joke in procurement, right. Oh yeah. All I ever talked about when I was five and six was, you know, buying, buying things for big companies. Nobody, nobody, (laughs) nobody, my generation in procurement thought they would end up in procurement. It wasn't, you couldn't go to school to be in procurement, but you can now. So I think, I think being open to chance and possibility is another key thing to layer onto that, um, kind of being being true to your your ambition yeah right? be open to the ways in which you get knocked off course absolutely but you may find something that's really wonderful yeah I love that I love that open to chance and I like to say pay attention to the signs you know um, just kind of look mm-hmm. around if something continues to kind of um, knock at your door or get in your way maybe there's a reason and you should take a second look and not just be so uh, driven down that one path as you said fixated on the title or, or what have you because there is so much beauty and abundance to be explored in the world that you never know where where life is going to take you if you if you um, pay attention to some of those things so that's great I love that so you've lived um, and worked around the world and I imagine have 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 a Amazing, wonderful, fabulous stories. And this is really tough, but can you just share one story with us kind of to, to bring the global lifestyle to life um, for our listeners? Yeah, it's so hard, right? Because there is, uh, you know, it's a scrapbook in the mind of all the impressions and all the events that have occurred to you as you've sort of lived and traveled abroad. Um, so it's hard, to, it's hard to pick just one. Um, you know, one of the ones that that, that stands out for me again, it's, it's a tiny moment, right. And there are several, uh, but it's, you know, the first time I, I lived abroad for any length of time was, um, in Bangladesh and, um, we had an apartment, uh, right across the waterway from the American embassy. I don't know. It was maybe, maybe 500 yards across and, um, the monsoon would come and the embassy would disappear in the in the sheet of water that was falling from the sky and so i i had seen rain before in south florida you and i both uh, have spent time there uh, but there was never anything quite like it and um it's just something that that you know remains with me these days and i can always kind of close my eyes and go back to the time sitting on the balcony kind of just watching the rain come down right and that you know, along with the Again, these are sounds and things that will not mean anything to anybody, but it's it is those those sort of small moments that stay with you the longest. And I think that's the uh, that's really the um, uh, it's one of the sort of the private the private joys of living abroad, right? So there are all the experiences that you can kind of put on a resume, but in the end, those kind of those kind of fade, and it's the it's the smaller moments of of just kind of day to day life that that stay with you. 
Yeah, that's a beautiful experience. I mean, I, I can picture it. I mean, I can picture it. I mean, kind of the, the pouring rain you can't see through and the sound and the smells of, of a humid rain too coming through. That's a that's a beautiful thing. And water itself, I mean, just the just the ionic experience is just so soothing. So that's a beautiful memory, especially so many years later, that's the one um, that kind of comes to you. That's um, clearly made, a, made an impression, especially for somebody who did um, grow up in the hot, humid, heavy rains of South Florida, which... Um, Every now and then I, I long for myself when it's cold <laughs> up here. Yeah. Um, but as we wrap up, this has been a wonderful, wonderful conversation. You've offered some wonderful pieces of advice. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a theme that, that uh, you know, it's probably been throughout here. It's one that I, I you know, remind my kids of, uh, you know, don't be in a hurry to get someplace. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the ride. Uh, kind of soak it all in while it's happening to you. Absolutely. Great advice. Um, You've had a great career just so far, and I'm excited to hear um, the new things that are going on in Genesis Care as you continue there and hopefully eventually get into an office with some, see some of your, your new colleagues. Hopefully we all get there soon. This has been a terrific conversation, Michael. I really appreciate your taking the time and being so thoughtful about the type of advice. None of this was typical at all. Um, and that's what this podcast is about, is to, to is to try to offer different types of insight. You know, the resume tips, all that stuff, you can get kind of anywhere. But this is about real life journeys, experiences that have, you know, helped people like you or you people like you that have um, experienced a global career. And uh, I think our listeners are, are going to love the session. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And thank you, Stacey. It was a pleasure. You have been listening to the GW Cyber Global Careers Podcast, working globally through the pandemic and the outlook for global careers in a post-COVID-19 world. Join us again next time. And in the meantime, go global. <laughs>